Streaming from Abby Cat Recording Studio in Chicago. You are listening to Influence, a podcast where we explore what makes great music influential. Welcome to the next episode of Season 2 of Influenced. My name is Blake Sokoloff. And I'm Robert Dean. And this week we're doing Talk Talk, the uh, fairly famous synth-pop band from the 80s, kind of through the early 90s, formed in uh, 1980, uh, maybe early 81, by um, Mark Hollis, who's their kind of vocalist and main songwriter, and Lee Harris on drums, Paul Webb on bass guitar, and Simon Brenner on keyboards. And they pretty quickly released their first singles by kind of the end of uh, 81 on EMI Records, kind of a major, major label at the time. So they very quickly had some kind of industry sort of capital behind them, so to say. And it kind of initially in their early years, they were very influenced by kind of the um, electronic music that was sort of burgeoning at the time like they were very influenced by roxy music like i'll play oh definitely i'll play a a song off roxy music's first album with with uh with brian eno while he was still in the kind of roxy music group because they were they were also very inspired by um david bowie's kind of berlin trilogy with Mm -hmm. with the heroes and low records that david bowie made Actually, with Brian Eno, who who had who had been in in Roxy Music for their first kind of few albums of their career, so they were very influenced in that kind of burgeoning electronic scene in in the late seventies and early eighties. So here, one of their kind of biggest early influences is Roxy Music from nineteen seventy two, the song Two HB off the self titled Roxy Music album. So here you go, Two HB by Roxy Music. You can really hear that. Brian Eno was only involved in the first two albums for Roxy Music, but you can really hear that keyboard uh, influence on Talk Talk. Plus, I think kind of the big vocal. Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. The the Brian Ferry style vocal is definitely definitely something that Mark Hollis kind of took from that, that music as well. Like the very kind of big vocal kind of behind sort of a bunch of swirling electronic mm-hmm. sounds and things like that. Like Brian Eno was definitely putting kind of swirling mm-hmm. weird electronic textures in the background. And that was definitely something that Talk Talk was definitely very into. I mean, in the kind of the initial lineup 
of Talk Talk. Like there was very little, very, very little guitar. Their first album, I don't think, features really any guitar at all. And then for their next one or two albums, Mark Hollis would occasionally play a little bit of acoustic or some very subtle guitar. But here I'm going to play their kind of big hit, or not the big hit, but their kind of only hit off their first album. Uh, this first album, this first Talk Talk album being The Party's Over from 1982. And this this first song is actually their first single that actually started to kind of chart in a few countries around Europe. This song is actually just called Talk Talk. So here's Talk Talk uh, from The Party's Over from 1982 by the band Talk Talk. <laughs> Yeah, that was a, a definite hit in Europe. Um, but I would say that also in the U.S., maybe not a huge hit, kind of to your point, coming yeah, into the yeah. song. But it definitely got some play on particularly, you know, better FM radio stations. Oh, and probably some college radio. And and college like radio, well, stuff yeah. like that. But this guy, Colin Thurston, who produced the first couple of Duran Duran albums, produced yeah. that album. And yeah. you can hear a little bit of... Yeah, I'm not saying you hear Duran Duran in there, but I mean you you can kind of hear a little. Oh, bit Oh, definitely. That. I mean, they were definitely. I mean, they were fairly. I would say pretty heavy contemporaries of each other. Like they, I mean, they definitely shared some producers. They, I think they were both also signed to EMI mm-hmm. um, for at least a time. The Duran Duran kind of style and sound was definitely something that Talk Talk definitely was kind of picking up a little bit, even if it's just from the the kind of similar producers that they would use. And they were they were definitely kind of part of that kind of initial sort of synth pop explosion yeah. in the early '80s, along with sort of Depeche Mode and mm-hmm. even New Order was kind of maneuvering into sort of the synthy territory as well. And that kind of around those years, they they always had probably just enough chart success for EMI not to dump them, mm. but they never were like the massive chart things that I think a major label like EMI was looking for. But mm-hmm. on their second album, It's My Life. From 1984, they started to uh, use the recording studio a little bit more than just their kind of standard synth pop uh, band stylings. Like I like Mark Hollis is actually playing a little bit of guitar on this album. I think he plays some guitar on maybe two or three songs and there might be one or two other kind of musicians that they bring in. This is actually I actually um, believe right before they they got into the um, recording of It's My Life, their original keyboardist Simon Brenner actually left the band, um, they would kind of have a a tendency to lose a member every few albums. Like, mm-hmm. they started out as a quartet, and by mm-hmm. the last Talk Talk album, they were a duo. After uh, Brenner left in, in uh, kind of late 1983, right when they were about to go in and work on It's My Life, they drafted in... Tim Freeze Green, who was as kind of a as a producer and kind of another hand in the studio, and he would become one of Mark Hollis's like biggest songwriting partners mm. and kind of the unofficial fourth member mm. again of Talk Talk. He never toured with the band and I don't think ever officially took a, a spot, so he's not really in the photo shoots or the occasional music video that they did. Talk Talk was definitely kind of against a lot of those like 
commercial things that a lot of labels were having bands do at this time by the mid 80s, like music videos and the big photo shoots with the crazy costumes and things. Mm -hmm. Talk Talk was never really about that, which definitely kind of started to bite them later in their career. Mm -hmm. But in the beginning, they were just still kind of experimenting with their sound and kind of finding some chart success. So I'm going to play the song Such a Shame off of their 1984 album, It's My Life, which was actually kind of their first single that began to actually get to the um, kind of the the topping of some charts. Like, I don't think it was number one anywhere, but it was actually started to get into the top five and the top 10 of some kind of European countries. Like, I know Such a Shame was a top 10 hit in the UK for the band as well, which is kind of a big deal for them. And definitely a big deal for EMI because they're a British label Mm -hmm. at the time. So here's... Such a shame from It's My Life from Yeah, great song, and um, definitely hear that uh, Roxy music um, influence on that song in particular. Oh, definitely, and you can also you can also definitely just hear like they're sort of expanding a lot of what like their first album did with that synth pop kind of sound. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of additional kind of cool percussion and additional kind of textured elements and things like that. And mm-hmm. on this album that they were definitely starting to play with and kind of because of the chart success of it's a shame and the self-titled song, it's my life, which was our, our opener on the episode this, this time, those two songs definitely kind of got the band a little bit more notoriety from EMI and they were allowed kind of a little bit more freedom going forward And that just meant like they were able to kind of hire, start bringing in some session musicians because that's something Mark Hollis was always really interested in. Like Mark Hollis, even from the beginning of Talk Talk, talks about how a lot of jazz and kind of big band music was fairly influential to him as a songwriter. But he didn't necessarily get to explore a lot of that in their early, early music because it was just like they were making the songs with just a bunch of synthesizers and things they had around the studio. So they weren't really given the... And they also weren't really given the time. Like, if you only have a month and a half to record an album, mm-hmm. you're not going to bring in a million right. extra musicians. That's something you might do if you have six months to record mm-hmm. an album. So when they were kind of given a little bit more freedom uh, from EMI and from kind of their just like the the fact that they had a couple albums and kind of minor hits under their belt, um, they were able to make The Color of Spring in 1986 which would kind of become their most successful album as a band and definitely their most successful album up to that point. Like this album, The Color of Spring, went gold in the UK. Mm. Um, it topped. It went into the top five in a number of charts um, across all of Europe and, and things like that. And even a couple of the singles, most notably Life's What You Make It, which right. I'll play here in just a second. And uh, also the the other single that made some decent waves on the charts was Living in Another World, 
Both of those songs charted in the top 40 kind of across the world, even even making some some headway in the United States, which is definitely a place where Talk Talk definitely had some kind of muted chart mm. success prior. So this was kind of a big breakthrough for the band. And they also went on kind of the, the biggest tour that they would ever actually go on and and drafted in like probably four or five extra musicians. They probably I, they drafted in a number of guitarists for the first time live and uh, even like a, a harmonica player and, and things like that. So they were taking advantage of the fact that they had a little bit more kind of studio backing and just a little bit more kind of musical. They also were had had some more musical chops after having a few albums under your belt. Mm-hmm. You kind of know what you're doing in the studio. You know what you're looking for. So I'll play here Life's What You Make It off of The Color of Spring from 1986 by Talk Talk. And you can definitely hear the just almost big band-esque qualities of just all the all the textures and all the additional instruments that they started bringing in around this album, The Color of Spring. So here you go. Life's What You Make It by Talk Talk from 1986. I always think of that song as kind of their, you know, Talk Talk's quintessential song, at least in my head. And, and oh, I would agree. You can kind of really understand why, at least around the music world, uh, why they're really thought of as a super influential band on on groups that followed them. Oh, definitely. And I mean, th- that album, The Color of uh, Spring, kind of marks a big shift in Talk Talk sound. Like the next two albums, which are their last two albums, kind of see the band go into a, a much heavier experimental direction, which mm-hmm. also proved kind of equally as influential. But you, f- there's a lot of bands that are kind of influenced by either the first half of the kind of talk, talk sound, they're kind of more commercial and poppy half. Mm-hmm. And then there's a lot of bands that are influenced kind of by the second half of talk, talk's career. Right. And one of the bands that's, I mean, I would say this band is honestly kind of influenced by both sides because this band also toes the line between going fairly experimental and fairly commercial. But Blur, the um, group in in the 90s and 2000s fronted by Damon Albarn and um, his writing partner Graham Coxon on guitar, were very, very influenced by Talk Talk and kind of that whole kind of mid-80s British mm-hmm. rock scene. And in a lot of the very kind of mid-90s pop, kind of pop and Brit pop albums that Blur made, um, like I'm going to play a song off their 1995 album, The Great Escape here called The Universal. You can really hear that that talk talk influence, especially the influence of that album color of spring. And like they're they're putting a lot of strings and but still having those soaring guitar lines that you didn't really hear in a talk talk song before this album. This band was definitely a major influence on a lot of those kind of arty pop bands from mm-hmm. the 90s very very much like blur so here's the universal off the 1995 album the great escape by by blur yes
Good to feature uh, Damon Albarn again. Uh, for our listeners who uh, listened to season one, uh, we focused two episodes on Damon Albarn. Yeah, he was kind of our, our season season finale for sure for season one. Definitely a great musician and definitely a, a definitely a very indebted to Mark Hollis mm-hmm. and the Talk Talk kind of school of of song arrangement and things like that. Like you can hear in that song, the Universal, like the 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 juxtaposition of the the horns and strings against the soaring guitars mm-hmm. and keyboards is definitely something that Talk Talk was getting very into on that, especially on the Color of Spring album and kind of their other synth pop and um, early more commercial releases. And then after that Color of Spring album, Talk Talk kind of felt like they got the amount of success they wanted, like they got the gold album mm-hmm. and and things like that. So they told their label they were going to do the minimum amount of um, press and things like that. Like they weren't going to tour anymore. They weren't going to do music videos. They were only going to do like the bare minimum of photo shoots and things like that. Um, so that definitely also didn't make EMI super happy. And, um, in the latter part of their, their career, they definitely had some issues with, with EMI. Um, like their, their next album was actually their last album they would release on EMI. But before I get into that, I do kind of want to play a little bit of the music that was very, very much inspiring the last kind of portions of Talk Talk's recording career. And like I mentioned earlier, Mark Hollis always likened himself to being a big listener of jazz music and he always kind of wanted to put more of that influence in in talk talks music and kind of now that they had the recording time and the recording budgets to to work with a bunch of outside musicians mark actually started feeling like oh i can actually start to make this kind of jazzier influenced music and he was very very influenced by the kind of more experimental eras of of Miles Davis and John Coltrane in kind of the later years of the 60s. So I'm going to play a quick snippet um, from the Miles Davis album from 1969, In a Silent Way. And this song is just the title track, In a Silent Way. And it just kind of goes to show the the kind of music that was inspiring Mark Hollis as he kind of began work on what would become the last kind of couple Uh, Talk Talk album. So here's In a Silent Way by Miles Davis from Personally, one of my favorite um, jazz albums of all time. But you can really, as you start to move into their fourth album, uh, Spirit of Eden, you can really hear that. And they recorded a lot of that album, uh, Spirit of Eden, in the dark. I mean, yeah. it was like very improvisational and, yeah. and uh, uh, interesting, very jazz-oriented. So uh, that's just a perfect intro to that. Yeah, definitely. And, and, and the way that they would record a lot of this 
this music is is Mark Hollis would bring in session musicians and I mean, he wouldn't play them the full recording that they were kind of piecing together. He would just kind of play the musicians like a, an outline of the song so they knew the basics and they knew the chords. And then he would kind of just let them improvise their parts. And then Mark, along with uh, Tim, Tim Freeze Green, they, the two of them would kind of edit all the recordings together into these six to kind of nine minute ambient, almost jazz, almost ambient right. with still a little bit of that kind of art rock sound. And these albums nowadays, a lot of people kind of see these as kind of the beginning of what the what is kind kind of called post rock. Right. A lot of that like kind of Radiohead influenced, very drawn out kind of it's still rock instrumentation and maybe rock band writing but a lot of ambient influence and a lot of jazz influence. So here, off of the 1988 Talk Talk album, Spirit of Eden, is The Rainbow, kind of one of the biggest tracks off this album. And it definitely shows you a lot of where they were going and a lot of the kind of improvisational nature of the songs. And Mark Hollis's, for these last two albums, Mark Hollis still has some vocals, but his vocal takes a big uh, kind of backseat to kind of the spiritual and kind of sonic improvision going on in these albums. So here's The Rainbow from Spirit of Eden from 1988 by Talk Talk. Good for Mark Hollis to, you know, completely redefine uh, Talk Talk uh, in those last two albums, that being the fourth and second oh, to the last. And, yeah. You know, I, you know, listen to that music and just uh, think about your your comment about Radiohead. Oh, definitely. And yeah. it just sounds like Kid A to me. Oh, absolutely. And I'll play, I'll play a track off of Kid A here real quick. I'll just play everything in its right place. But this is, the, those two albums were definitely big on a lot of those kind of Brit rockers from the 90s and early 2000s and, and also kind of blur as a as a Radiohead contemporary as well but Radiohead definitely took that kind of a lot of influence from those later almost ambient talk talk albums when they were especially when they were making a lot of their music around the kind of the 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 millennium with with Kid A and and OK Computer and things right. like that so here's yeah. here's everything in its right place off of Kid A which is definitely kind of the closest a a a chart-topping number one uh, band has probably ever gotten to sounding exactly like Talk Talk. So here's everything in its right place from 2000 off of the Radiohead album Kid A. Okay. 
Kid A was such an incredible album for Radiohead, one of my favorites by them. And and I would just say being able to like link that influence from the later Talk Talk years is oh, super absolutely. cool. Yeah, oh, definitely. And I mean, the, the guys in Radiohead um, were some of the first people to kind of come out when when mark hollis unfortunately passed away in 2016 mm-hmm. they were some of the the biggest names to come out and in kind of tribute to him as well and, and and including a number of the members of blur and a lot of the musicians that he's been very very influential towards like a lot of the more modern musicians as well including like the the, the guys in the band foals and uh doves and things like that like there's a lot of a lot of bands have taken a lot of influence from Talk Talk, and and I also want to touch on kind of their last album, and actually some of the drama kind of leading up to that last album. Their last album is just called Laughing Stock, but with their with that most recent album that I we just played some music from Spirit of Eden, their major record label EMI was not necessarily super happy about that release, and also their their kind of decision not to do any publicity, and it got to the point that. Um, talk talk were also very much not super into the fact that they were on a major label who was mm. trying to get them to do music videos and have commercial hits and things like that like i know a couple of the head higher ups at emi actually tried to get mark hollis to re-record or remix a couple of the songs from spirit of eden mm. to make them a little bit more commercial which mm-hmm. which he didn't end up doing but kind of in the fallout of the release of spirit of eden um emi tried to sue talk talk for making something that wasn't commercial enough Mm -hmm. um and then talk talk kind of counter suit emi to get out of their label and so it actually ended up kind of going to some of the english high courts and they didn't eventually rule in talk talk's favor that they were able to kind of weasel out of their emi contract for Mm -hmm. their last recordings and they were actually they were able to sign with Polydor Records. They were still a fairly large label, but they were a little more band friendly. And also they had a a, a jazz imprint called Verve Records right. that that actually Frank Zappa's band Mothers of Invention had been kind of signed to for a few years. So Mark Hollis was kind of attracted to the fact that he would be on a, a jazz label with with a with a couple of bands from his his heroes from his childhood, mm-hmm. like Frank Zappa and things like that. So Talk Talk for their last album, Laughing Stock, partnered with Polydor Records and Verve to to kind of continue that sound they were exploring on Spirit of Eden, but kind of take it even a step further. Like there were on the album actually credited. I think there are something like twenty or twenty one or two musicians credited on the album, but mm. in the in the sessions itself, uh, there were something like into the mid fifties. Wow, uh, the amount of musicians that were just coming in to record like obviously only half of those musicians actually ended up on the album Mm -hmm. uh in any capacity but they were very much just kind of perfecting that style of show the musicians a very skeletal arrangement of the song to get them familiar with it and then kind of as these all these musicians record and um kind of lay their parts on they can kind of edit these improvisional tracks together to make again another album of five to nine minute jazz and ambient explorations and sound, which end up being very cool and very experimental. And you never know where the music is exactly going to go. But this album in particular also saw the band shrink even further uh, because after Spirit of Eden kind of, I think kind of spurred on by all the labels, a drama that they didn't really want to deal with. Paul Webb, their bass player Mm -hmm. decided to just decided to leave the group, which led the official members of Talk Talk as only Mark Hollis and their drummer 
So a lot of people kind of think as Laughing Stock, uh, their 1991 album, as a little bit of a Mark Hollis kind of solo album. Mm. It still has that kind of talk, talk production quality to it and that kind of impeccable sound. So I'm going to play New Grass off of the 1991 album Laughing Stock by Talk Talk here just to kind of really illustrate where they were as the band's kind of final album went into fruition. So here's New Grass from 1991 by Talk Talk off of the album Laughing Stock. Cool uh, jazz drumming from Lee Harris there, and Tim Freeze Green also produced uh, that album. Oh yeah, he was he was definitely the um, kind of producer and co-producer on on everything that yeah. that Mark Hollis did since he was kind of joined the band. Yep. Um, and that album definitely kind of sees a lot of influence in the uh, kind of just in the in the years just immediately after that album came out. Um, the kind of shoegaze scene in the um, English music scene kind of started flourishing with a lot of bands like Slow Dive and Ride and My Bloody Valentine kind of having a, a fair amount of success and also just uh, making a lot of what would also go on to be very influential rock music and um, kind of exploring where you could take guitar-based music and things like that kind of into the into the 2000s and things. Especially Slow Dive were very, very, very influenced by those last kind of Mark Hollis led talk talk albums especially spirit of eden and laughing stock this slow dive album suvlaki and their their last album from their kind of 90s career pygmalion really show that kind of ambient and um kind of the way that one of the big things that slow dive took from that later talk talk sound is the fact that mark really changed the way his vocals interacted with the music in the way that in early Talk Talk, his voice was kind of the loudest thing in the mix, mm-hmm. was very present and things like that. And then on that last song, like that last song from Laughing Stock that we played, his his voice is very much just like in there with the rest of the instruments, almost right. like it's like a, a keyboard or a guitar line in and of itself, which is definitely something that a lot of those shoegaze bands were kind of mm-hmm. taking and kind of burying the vocal in. So it's kind of just a pretty melody, almost you're not even getting the the words necessarily. So... Here off of the 1993 album Suvlaki is the is the track Suvlaki Space Station, kind of one of Slow Dive's classic songs and definitely one of the songs that showcases where they were really gathering a lot of influence from that very ambient and low-key uh, talk-talk sound. So here's Suvlaki Space Station from 1993 by Slow Dive.
Well, I think we could go on and on uh, in terms of uh, bands that have been influenced by Talk Talk. Uh, great example there, Blake. Definitely. And also kind of just another little um, tidbit about that that Slow Dive album that sort of ties it to the Talk Talk influences that Brian Eno actually worked with Slow Dive mm. on a few tracks of that Suvlaki album to kind of help them get that very ambient texture that they were very influenced by. And obviously Talk Talk kind of picked up a lot of notes from Brian Eno. So there's a kind of that cyclical influence going on there with 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 Slow Dive. But um, yeah, like Talk Talk and Mark Hollis's music have touched a lot of the kind of alternative and even just like a lot of mainstream rock with Radiohead and mm -hmm. Blur being very, very influenced by Mark Hollis and his work. So I want to leave you guys as we kind of finish up this episode of Influenced with the other big hit off of The Color of Spring. I know we played Lice, which you make it earlier in the episode, but here's Living in Another World as we kind of wrap up this episode on Talk Talk and Mark Hollis here. So thank you guys so much for listening. I've been Blake Sokoloff. I'm Robert Dean. And this is Living in Another World from the 1986 Color of a Spring album by Talk Talk and Mark Hollis. So thank you guys so much for thank listening. You. Here's Living in Another World. Hey!